Oh, I think I have just a thing. How would you like an El Camino? Ooh, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Yo creo que te vas a meter una bronca grande aquí, señor. Raúl. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. This week, we have a really special episode. This is this is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. The Copa de la Diversión program in minor league baseball is one of my one of my favorite programs that they they run from a design standpoint and from a fan experience standpoint. Uh, essentially. Minor league baseball teams, most of the minor league baseball teams in affiliated minor league baseball have alternate Spanish language brands, the purpose of which is to reach out to Spanish speaking fans. And one of the designers who has been prolific in that program is Ryan Foos of Fooser Sports Design, who is with me here today. Ryan, thank you for being here. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing really well. Very happy to be talking about the work you've done with the Copa de la Diversión program in minor league baseball. You've done, do you have a count? How many of these logos have you actually done for the Copa program? Oh boy, I should have counted prior. <laughs> I think it's probably somewhere between 30-ish. It's floating around there, but um, yeah, especially front-loaded, pretty heavy in the program and it's definitely teams have gone elsewhere and internal, but yeah, somewhere around 30, I would say. So that's you know, right now there are about a hundred and well, there are exactly 120 affiliated minor league baseball teams. Mm -hmm. Roughly 90 of them are doing the Copa program and mm -hmm. you've done about 30 of those brands. So you've done about a third of the, the working Copa brands in minor league baseball right now. So that's, that is pretty impressive. You mentioned some of the early brands. This program got started in 2017 with just four teams. I know that you've done, you did at least two of those brands. I am wearing the Mariachi's cap right now from the, the, the Albuquerque Isotopes, which won the Fun Cup, the, the Copa de, de la Diversión, the first two times mm -hmm. that they actually held it. And then one of the other ones, which is another cap that I, I, I'm turning away from my microphone because I'm looking at my hats back here, but I've got the, uh, the Las Vegas Reyes de Plata mm -hmm. as well. So those were two of the first four. Did you work on the other two brands? Uh, so uh, Kane County joined, right. and they just did a kind of a, a very uh, minimal effort, we'll say. Uh, Charlotte was part of it as well. Right. Uh, I did a secondary logo as, as that, and uh, Vince okay. Petafrezzo did the, the main cap logo. But we're looking at how do we expand minor league baseball to be what we wanted it to be? Because I think even six or seven years ago, from a league headquarters perspective, it was very business-like. And our right. social media at that point was very uh, player-focused and plays-focused, which was tend to be super grainy. And it, it didn't invoke what we were telling people we were, that we were at that time 160 individual communities that come together for baseball and were, were this outside-the-box thinking group. But... We were running the leagues from a, a higher up perspective, very businesslike. Mm -hmm. And so we realized that we had a trademark to it's fun to be a fan that we had used decades and decades earlier. And we decided to bring it back, did the whole branding. That was the first product I ever had at minor league baseball was how do we brand it's fun to be a fan. We had a whole reason series. We had our social media team start saying, focus on the food, focus on the jerseys, focus on the fans. 
And so then it became this thing of we could go to a potential partner of the league. We could go to these individual clubs and go, do you see how the reaction is when people are focused on stuff outside of baseball? Because we had all these studies where 50% of people didn't even pay attention to the game. Only 20% of people could actually tell you the score of the game when they left. It was all about just the experience. And so part of that was this delving into how do we go after demographics that aren't quite represented in our fandom mm-hmm. and so now fast forward all those kind of representations are coming out that you have copa you have the nine program for the black demographic the pride program has taken off so it mm-hmm. kind of looked at all these that i don't think it was supposed to be all teams would be in copa or all teams would be in nine that it'd be do you have a latino fan base that are is not represented do you have a black fan base that isn't represented within your fandom um, and so Copa was the first one we dove into because every metric was Latin America loves sports. And when you're talking about Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Dominican, it is almost exclusively baseball. And we wanted to really capture that. And I, I think if you're going to have a fun brand, the nine program goes historic, but the Copa program goes a lot more colors and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And so the first four teams were based on hitting different markets. So you had Vegas, which was an up and coming kind of Latino market uh, because of hospitality. You had Chicago, which is more old school. You had Charlotte that had its own kind of thing going. And so it was one of those that we really wanted to test it out and make sure, is this doing what it needs to do? Um, And that's frankly, the reason that I was so heavily involved in the branding from the get-go is a lot of these teams go, why are we doing this? And mm. it's no fault their own. It's it's just, frankly, it's a lot of older white people in front office that go, how does this work? And so mm. we said, we'll take care of a lot of the branding and help you along the way because we want to make sure that you spend the time doing outreach, doing, uh, you know, Spanish focused marketing, hiring people that are bilingual and, and really making it more than just a brand, but an actual transformation of how those organizations are operated for those demographics. Sure. So Fooster Sports Design has been around for 10 years. Uh, I yes, saw on yes. social media, you're celebrating your 10th anniversary. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. When you talk about we with minor league baseball, what was your relationship with minor league baseball proper as an organization when this program was was launched? So for a three-year stretch, I was head of brand development at minor league baseball. So Fooster kind of took a backseat um, for all of those years. And um, it, it was brought on because we were outsourcing to the studio Simons of the world. We were outsourcing to um different groups to say hey we need to do this we need to do this so i think dan did uh, a dozen or so opening day logos i know he was in charge of a lot of the baseball winter meeting stuff and so it was a matter of can we start an internal design group and bulk up our marketing group to say let's start taking this more in house and and in real time kind of alter what we were doing so yeah, so Fooster, while I, I've adopted these brands under that moniker, it was me working with a, a couple designers in-house saying, how can we make this possible? Of Whether it was working with a partner and overnight having to figure out what these platforms might look like or the COPA program itself. This explains, by the way, 
why Dan Simon sent me a box of hats with his designs on them. <laughs> and uh, a number of them are from the uh, the winter meetings uh, logos yes, that he designed. Yes. So I have I have more baseball winter meetings, baseball caps than than most people do. <laughs> the so l- let's talk about these first couple that you did here because they're you know i mean the program there's been so many good logos in this program mm-hmm. like i said i am wearing the the teal or turquoise version of the albuquerque isotopes mariachis brand i went to a game there when they i've actually been to two mariachis games it's about a seven hour drive from fort collins and then the then 51s i mean this is sort of an interesting thing with the las vegas franchise when their Copa brand was unveiled, it was the it was the Las Vegas Reyes de Plata, and they were the Las mm-hmm. Vegas 51s. Obviously, they switched to be the Aviators when they changed stadiums and moved out to Summerlin, but they kept their Copa brand. And yes. so these were, you know, two of the first four Copa brands, uh, and it wasn't even really called the Copa de la Diversión that first year, was it? It was called... No, yeah, we kind of... I don't... I think we were just teasing it. I, just, I think the Copa side of things came in secondarily that we wanted it to be uh so the winner of the the copa the cup every year is based on not just on field but really a focus on off field so how much you know did you have in sales ticketing how much Mm -hmm. do you donate all that kind of stuff did you increase your staff and all that kind of stuff and so yeah that first year it was just kind of a we for sure didn't want to say heritage or anything like that. We didn't want sure. it to seem like a one-off, but I, I don't yeah. even know what we maybe even potentially said it as or the beginning of what Copa will be. But, um, but yeah, it was a yeah. very bare bones start. So in that, in that start, I mean, obviously the, uh, the mariachis brand and the, the Reyes de Plata brand, you know, they have a, a specific visual vernacular, right. That it has, it does have a sort of, cultural aesthetic it does have uh you know there the, a sort of hispanic visual aesthetic about it what kind of research did you do going into that as a as a designer specific to the communities and specific to uh you know being as sensitive as possible in creating a, a brand that represents you know a, a whole community or a whole culture so we had um you know, Latino individuals within our office that, I mean, we covered the bases in terms of different cultures within that Hispanic realm. Um, We made sure that the teams were involved from the get-go and we, we made sure that each one of those teams then reached out to somebody. So Charlotte had a Latino chamber of commerce that was their sounding board. Uh, Vegas, I believe had a, a Latino museum of sorts, um that was involved so we made sure that if you're going to be a part of this you have to take a deep dive and kind of spend more time on it than you would for a specialty night Mm -hmm. and so there was always feedback from the individuals because i think that was also a misnomer for for a lot of teams that came on board was all right we're going to do copa let's do green and red it's going to be awesome and then not putting together fully from the get-go that you might be in a Puerto Rican demographic and by showing green and red, you've already lost them. And so it was kind of working through that to say, if we are so with both Albuquerque and Las Vegas, it was heavily Mexican. So we made sure that the sounding board involved uh, folks that 
are not only from Mexico, but maybe have been in the area for a long time and are fifth generation have seen kind of how their culture has evolved and, and kind of mixed with uh, Nevada and New Mexico ways of life. But um, it was very a very tedious process in terms of you don't want to embarrass the teams. You don't want to embarrass yourself and, and just making sure it, it sounds good. And so we had a lot of good back and forth with uh, the folks in Albuquerque. I think some of the earlier concepts was like the mariachi was singing. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought like, let's invoke the music style. Is there a kind of this big old guitar that it's holding? And they were very, very set on, we have gone and done our research and done our interviews and we take this this kind of aspect of our culture very seriously. And that's when mm-hmm. it ended up being kind of a lot of the musical notes are hidden within the design, mm-hmm. but it is more of a straightforward that they didn't want it to be this goofy minor league baseball-esque design. They wanted it to be something that was a statement uh, of kind of their heritage. So sure. uh, definitely learning curves for everybody involved, but yeah. um I, I mean, it, it worked out. And I think out of all of them that I've done, that one always kind of gets brought up first. So uh, it definitely kudos to them for being willing to to speak their mind on this is how we believe it should be because of the research and, and kind of uh, talks we've had. Yeah. Well, let's so let's talk about this one. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Like I said, I'm wearing it now and I keep sort of leaning forward so I can look at it in my own uh, camera here. But it, it, it has the Day of the Dead skull and it has the... Uh, the mariachi hat, the sort of traditional style Mexican hat, but it's sort of a, a combination of you know the of a sort of a day of a, the dead theme, and then the the musical notes, and then the traditional sort of Mexican hat. You, I mean, and and the first thing that you know I sort of noticed with this, I mean, I I spent some time in Mexican City during Day of the Dead, and I remember they were sort of lamenting that you know americans in in their words americans sort of treat day of the dead as like a mexican halloween now and it's not that mm-hmm. right like it's meant to be a sort of very somber thing so it's it's interesting to me to see it featured in a very respectful way in a logo for a team you know called the mariachis right like there's so there's a there's a lot going on sort of culturally in this logo mm-hmm. uh, and so it's really it's really interesting for me to hear you say you know how insistent the team was with the research they were doing and the community members they were working with that they that this is what they wanted to see featured in this logo yeah and and so i think it was different in a lot of ways i think the sugar skull is just such a unique aspect and i mean you ask most people skulls are just fun Uh, just it is one of those things and so las vegas was there was a thought process that they we we tried to pitch it and we even came back around years later uh with chuck and the guys over there of what happens if you did a human minor mm-hmm. for the day game and then the very next night during the night game you switch back to the skull to kind of have this combination of this day and night and this uh kind of u.s culture meets mexican culture and they didn't quite uh push push forward with it but but then you we've had uh i've had conversations with teams that their first thought was like yeah we want to do a sugar skull and i think that there's been some pushback of of how do you want it to do it for the exact Mm -hmm. same reasons that there is a moment where it gets a little too cartoony and it gets Mm -hmm. a little and then vegas i think teeters that line to some extent Mm -hmm. um but um yeah i i 
always worry when the next batch comes out is is how many are going to rely on that because it was just such a huge part of sure. it was it was the easy go-to thing to do sure well and then those first two that we're talking about now the mariachis you know like you say they've got the sugar skull and then the the reyes de plata which is silver kings it's mm -hmm. you know there is a skull with a with a mustache and sort of a miner's hat and so yeah so it's you know i can i I appreciate the amount of research that's gone into these because you could see how it could go off the rails if it's if it's not treated you know respectfully. So that's not to say then that there aren't some that that haven't had some fun with it, right? Like I mean, mm -hmm. there's one. I think one of the ones that gets a lot of attention is the uh, the San Antonio Flying Chanclas, mm -hmm. uh, which is essentially a flip flop sailing through yeah. the air. That's definitely a, a fun one. Uh, one of the ones that I really like, I've got this cat back here as well. The Eugene Emeralds did the Monarchas de, mm -hmm. de Eugene. Are there are there some that you've done from your creation that you feel like really reflect like a more lighthearted approach to to this program? Yeah, I, I think that there's um I, I don't want to say that any of them didn't take it seriously. Um, because I think everybody did. Um I think the ones that I really enjoyed are the ones that almost didn't get much kind of uh, notoriety. Like um, Modesto's was something that that I was really, really excited for. So they were the Alibrejas, which mm -hmm. is kind of the spear animal. So in that culture, uh, it's it's never quite a dog. It's kind of a it's always a mix of animals. And so we created their own spirit animal based on. Uh, it was like the coyote from the area. It was the golden eagle from Mexico and then the moose from the uh, Seattle Mariners mascot. Mm -hmm. And so stuff like that, where it was just like a really fun of, I don't think anybody thought we were going to do this morphed uh, collaboration of all these animals and ideas and with bright colors and all that kind of stuff. And so stuff like that, I think was really, really fun. Um, Eugene was an interesting one too. And having a lot of conversations and, and similar to uh, mariachis in some respect of, is it this angry kind of butterfly because sports logos tend to skew that way in some way. And we ended up going kind of with more symbolic references to it. And they did the release of their brand at an elementary school that was predominantly Latino and just like these little kids rocking butterfly wings and it's like it's okay that not everything is this macho angry looking animal so i think that there's definitely um zoros recently with somerset was more also kind of a play on we just want to create this sneaky little character and and add kind of these elements of culture into the patterning of tiles on the sleeve and stuff like that yeah. but um I, I think there's some that went really kind of serious with it but i think there's also a decent amount that that um, slowly over time realize that it doesn't have to be chock full of cultural relevance as long as you can make the connection and the storyline that you can tell people why you're doing it. I think it, it kind of changed over time. Sure. You mentioned a couple there that I was actually going to bring up, I think, because these are these are, are really fun. So I mentioned the 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 Eugene Emeralds did the Monarchas, which is a monarch butterfly, and it was mm -hmm meant to be a, a metaphor for the journey that the players take to the major leagues. And so not specific to any Latin culture, but, uh, you know, obviously the iconography in that logo, if you look at it, 
carefully. I mean, there's all sorts of of patterns, and it is a, a butterfly wearing a crown because monarch. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it's a baseball bat for the body, and then he's got these little sort of furrowed brow insect eyes looking at the screen. So it's that's a that's one. I have that one on a cap here back uh, behind me too. So I've got a lot of your work on caps hanging on the wall behind me. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, that was definitely one of those. I think each dot represented a, a Spanish-speaking country. Uh, there's forestry. There was the the three sisters in Oregon. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those that always thinking about how is this eventually going to embroider um, and oh, yeah. just making sure that there's this kind of delicate balance and game that is played with that. Yeah. I did notice when I got that hat that the logo was actually slightly bigger than it is on many of yeah. my hats. And I think it's because it's a more detailed logo that mm-hmm. required that larger space for, for the embroidery. That's interesting that you bring that up. So I'm not a Spanish speaker. This is, it's taken me until now to apologize for my Spanish pronunciation, but I'm, I'm going to give this one a try. The uh, the Modesto nuts alabrijes, I think, mm-hmm. is is uh, mm-hmm. this this creature that was created. I love the explanation of it's a spirit animal, and you know the the things that are you know factored into the creation of this spirit animal are relevant to that area. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and the the fact that they've got the moose antlers, and, uh, you know that that's a that's a really fun explanation of of that one. That particular logo is really quite colorful i mean a lot of these mm-hmm. copa brands are very colorful but that one i think is is as colorful as i've as i've seen when you brought up you know the use of those colors and being culturally sensitive about that like you said there's a lot of cultures in these spanish speaking communities and so you can't just say oh well we're picking these colors because they look hispanic or they look latin what is that process like, especially in in a in a logo as colorful as you know this one that you did for Modesto, you know, choosing all of these, you know, I mean, I'm looking at there's a there's like a cyan blue, there's a, a there's a bright pink magenta, there's yellow, there's like a lime green, it might just be those four, and that's you know that's what they that's what they say for color for logo design, right? They just the, yeah. the four colors, it creates the impression of having a lot more colors than that. What's that process for you of of making sure that you're being culturally sensitive and selecting colors, you know, that are meant to look a certain way, but you know, could easily be sort of, uh, you know, become sort of a trope almost, and just like, oh, this feels yeah. Hispanic. I think if you look back at the first true year of Copa, you'll see a lot of black crowns navy crowns it was very subdued because i think more often than not black and dark color crowns they they look good you know Mm -hmm. it just is one of those things and then you'll all of a sudden see in the second year based on the success of san antonio going with bright light blue and pink and yellows you saw a transformation of now you're almost an outlier if you do a, a kind of uh you know, darker color set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a double-edged sword because I, I think there's a lot of people that don't necessarily wear the hats because it's just too bright for them. And that's just, that's, it, it is what it is. And especially when we live in this fitted cap culture where you have the matching shoes and shirt and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Some of these get a little, little intense. Yeah. Um. So it was, it was kind of a, does it need to be bright? Yes. 
Um, but then how can you tie it in all together? And I think that probably goes for a lot of brands in sports, mm-hmm. uh, that there's just some cities that, that you just saw it with the, the Maulers football team switching away from purple and orange and going black and yellow, because it's like, you hear the colors black and yellow and you're going to get a Pittsburgh reaction from it. Right. Uh, and so I think that for some of these, it connected like the Monarchas, it made sense that um, it's the Monarchs orange and yellow color plus the bright lime green of Eugene. For some of them, it was it was based on uh, Osos Pelores back when Paul Tuckett had a team mm-hmm. that was specifically for Puerto Rican and Dominican colorways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a matter of can you connect a culture to it, but then also realizing that sometimes it just needs to be that way um and so i think mariachis we keep coming back to it is a perfect example it started as a colorway that was mariachis it's black white and red that is mariachis there's no other variation of it and then the turquoise came in because it's it's a southwest color it's a it's a you know that turquoise stone and jewelry is very prevalent within that um southwest mexican culture and so it made sense that that kind of transitioned in a way but um color is just super it's super important and you try to make it fit um and every time i do a project regardless of what sport if it could be a restaurant it could be a brewery it could be anything there ends up being a whole lot of color concepts that get thrown out there once the design is settled because there's just some reasons it works, um, whether it's subconscious or not. But uh, all of these teams, they're either truly spoke to what the imagery was or it spoke to kind of what uh, offshoot of the Latino culture it, it came from. One of the I mean, one of the clearest ways to talk about culture is food, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, just I mean, every every culture has it and it's distinct with every culture. So. Uh, you know, it's hard not to notice that a lot of these Copa brands relate to food in 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 some way. Sometimes directly, sometimes it's food and drink. Just from some ones that that you've worked on, the Clinton elotes. The the Colorado Rockies do a thing called the elote tots, which is tater mm-hmm. tots with like a corn elote sauce on it, which yeah. is delicious. <laughs> um, so you've got the Clinton elotes. The Durham Bulls did the cervezas, uh, Corpus Christi Raspas, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the Lake County Picantes. Mm-hmm. So there's a number, you know, of these that that you have worked on that are specific to to food. What what is that conversation like? I mean, it, it must be easy to sort of default to that, especially with the popularity of the food based logos throughout minor league baseball, and because it is such a, an important part of just sort of talking about culture, anyway. The temptation to turn to a food-based logo must be pretty strong. Yeah, and I think there was also a time when, and it kind of intersected perfectly with Copa, where every single team seemed like they were coming out with a food identity. There was a food identity craze for a while. So I think it started slow with not many food identities just because they felt like it was being overdone. And while I know like uh, El Paso says they created the margarita and that's why they're margaritas, I think there's a lot of other that it's just, uh, is it the uh, Frisco? They're just the queso. And it's just like, all right, maybe that has some connection to it and all that kind right. of stuff. But I, I think that a lot of a lot of these communities, we tried to go just one or two steps deeper. And some of them went that way and some of them just kind of stayed on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a, a taco, a taco could, you could be in New York, you can be in California, you can be in Florida, 
all have their own variations, but it ultimately, right. it doesn't necessarily pinpoint you to a place. Right. Um, and so Corpus Christi felt really good about Rospus because they're snow cones and all that kind of stuff. That's their kind of thing. And they have these little huts around this ballpark and that's what it is. And it made sense for them. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, comes back to this balancing act of you want to be specific to your region and you want to be specific to your city and your brand. And so um, I've had a few conversations with teams that wanted to be part of Copa or wanted to rebrand in Copa and ended up putting too much pressure on themselves of, well, what is us? What is us? What is us? Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up backing out or kind of just staying with what they had for another year because it is really tough. You want to make a, a point to say, this is us. And that's why we had two Cokies teams for a couple right. of years, because in heavily Puerto Rican circles, everybody knows the Cokie frog is, is their bald Eagle. And so, um, I think there was a little bit of worry of, I need to be unique. Um, and then slowly over time, you started seeing the food become more and more of a thing because whether they thought they didn't have options or whether that was just, you know, we know this is going to sell. Um, but it's a, it's a weird thing because music and food is so important. Yeah. But how do you make it seem very specific to your city? If it is more of a, a, a a larger dish, I guess you could say. Sure. So one more question for you here before I let you go. Well, I could talk about this all day, all night, but the, you know, I talk a lot on this podcast about how I object on principle to teams being named for their parent clubs, minor league teams being named for their parent clubs. The sort of natural progression of that with uh, the COPA program is teams doing direct translations of their their own nickname into you know a Spanish language version of that nickname. Looking through your portfolio of Copa brands here, I didn't really see any that were direct translations. They were, you know, they're they're all unique identities. How important is it, or is it important at all, to create a connection between the Copa brand and the you know the primary identity of a team? And you know, what do you have a philosophy? Do you have a strong feeling on you know whether the team creates a you know just a Spanish language version of their own brand? So if you looked at uh, our old kind of marketing and guidelines and what we wanted this to be, point one was we didn't want to be like the NBA where mm-hmm. you had Lowe's Heat and Lowe's Bulls and all that kind of stuff. We right. we made it very clear that that was rule number one is you need to make an attempt to find something that's unique to you. And point two was you can't say this is our heritage night because building an entire program about a demographic but then boiling it down to this night is for you only is a very very uh double-edged sword of of kind of understanding that you're welcome to this ballpark and we're going to make time for you on this one evening so that's why we kind of almost forced and, and kind of required these teams that you had to play at least three four games it had to be a, a series you could do it all at once you could spread it out but you have to make this a recurring thing so we were very, very against translations. If you somehow did a translation, create this identity that felt different, like it, it truly was, hey, this was a Venezuelan version of so-and-so. Um, right. right. But I, I think, yeah, we we definitely pushed. There was probably a few teams that came to us and said, we're just going to be this, and we ended up guiding them in a different direction. But I think it's uh, it's... 
there's moments that you can include the team's normal brands into these specialty nights. And that's why I think iron pigs do such a great job as no matter what the iron pigs do for a, for a number of years, whether it was the wiener dogs or anything like that, it felt like an, a shoot off of what the iron pigs brand, you knew it was the iron right. pigs. Right. And I think that's really important and really special. Um, but when you start getting into why the program was created and hope to do more, I think it's okay that these teams are kind of wacky and on their own and standalone as their own own brand. So a uh, long story short, no low something. And it, you had to, you really had to commit to it. You couldn't just view this as a true one-off night. Well, this program is, it's so great and it's generated so many logos and, you know, and and I do this podcast because I want to learn about the cultures and I want to learn about these places that I might not otherwise know. And so the the Copa brand has opened the door to to so many more you know stories to be told out there. And so I think that that is so important and it's been so successful and and I really appreciate it. So I would like to have uh, you know have you come back on and and talk about some of these specific teams as I start featuring them later on in the in the podcast but in the meantime I appreciate you coming on and talking about the program in general and you know I appreciate all the all the great work that you've done on all these logos that I have on hats behind me <laughs> I greatly appreciate your time uh obviously read a lot of stuff from sportslogos.net that was the bible for many many years uh and appreciate you covering the sport and, and design in particular. It's, it's been good to have uh, people like you in our corner. Well, I appreciate that very much. And I plan to keep doing it. Ryan, where can people find you online and, and, and on social media? Everything's Fooser Sports. So FooserSports.com, Fooser Sports on IG, Twitter, all that good stuff. And so, yep, uh, appreciate the time and look forward to some new designs that are coming out this year and next and beyond. Can't wait. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate Perfect. it. Thank you. All right, everyone, welcome back. What a moment for me here. It's been way too long. I mean, my very good friend, fellow podcaster from the Dad Hat Chronicles, Ed Rivera. If you listen to this podcast, you should be listening to Ed's podcast as well. So Ed is a huge fan of baseball logos in particular as seen on Dad Hats, of which Ed and I are, are both fans. Ed, welcome back to Baseball by Design. Thanks for uh, Thanks for being here. I love the intro. I feel so special now. I am, you know, I want every guest to feel special, but you in particular, because, you know, we're, we're, we're best podcaster buds here. This is, yeah, uh, we are. you know, and, and we're, we're, we're making plans to see some baseball in person this summer yeah, we and, are. uh, and our respective significant others are going to join us on the road trip. So we got a lot going on here. We got a lot. Yeah, going we do. On here. It, it, it's exciting time, right? You know, like oh, yeah. the, the planning stages right, and right, right. get into all the, the stuff that we get to do during the summer for our podcast. So super excited for this year, for sure. We're, we're getting close enough to baseball season. Oh, thank that, God. Like the, the drudgery of the off season is sort of wearing off a little bit, you know, we're right. under a month until spring training games start. And so, yeah, we're, you know, we're reaching a point now where we can be like, okay, okay, we can, we yep. can focus on this. We, we can got feel some good spring about. training, some world baseball classic coming. So, Hey, why not? Oh, right. I'm excited about all these things. Exactly. Um, so this episode, uh, as you know, I've been speaking with Ryan Foos of Fooser Sports Design, who has created some of uh, the amazing uh, Copa de la Diversión mm -hmm. logos that you and I love so much. 
And I, you know, I thought it would be interesting to talk to you. Ryan and I talked a little bit about the particulars of, you know, the fact that there are different communities within the Spanish speaking fan bases, right? Like it's not just- Who would just have thought that? Who would have thought that? <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's hilarious, right? Like it's a hilarious that people would just think of like, oh, Spanish speakers as one big block of fans. When one of the, the fan bases that we talked about in particular was the Puerto Rican fan bases. There are mm -hmm. Puerto Rican communities in many minor league baseball cities uh, of varying sizes. And people, I think it is a well-known fact that you are of Puerto Rican descent. And very much uh, so, yes. that part of your identity is very important to you. It's a very big part of, of who you are as a person and as a baseball fan. And so I thought it would be very interesting to speak to you and and to have someone who can correct me on the pronunciation of all of these team names. So Oh, I will, which is great. <laughs> So, so anyhow, you know, I, I just wanted to talk to you in general at first about as a, uh, a member of the Puerto Rican community and as a fan of logos and minor league baseball, has the Copa de la Diversión program reached you in the way that they're hoping it might have? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Listen. Logos are fun. I love logos. Obviously, as we, you already know we collect that hats and we 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 specifically like a lot of the ones that are different, right? Like, you know, obviously there's some cool ones that we love. Everybody loves the classic ones, Durham Bowles, the Toledo Mud Hens, all these other, you know, classic ones. But when you have a whole program designed to prop the Hispanic culture within baseball, obviously as you can see in major league baseball, a big, large community is, you know, Spanish speaking. So, right. Uh, you, you automatically gravitated towards that. And when I found out about the program, I was, you know, I was like, that's it. I'm in, Yeah, you know, come in. One of the dangers when you first hear about something like this, one of the dangers of it in my mind is if you don't engage the communities, mm -hmm. you risk, caricaturizing them right and you know and speaking down to them in a way like just like hey here's something that looks like you would like it uh from the conversation with ryan it feels like they that minor league baseball has been very intentional about reaching out to the individual communities and these individual uh markets uh, for minor league baseball yeah. and that's been one of the reasons i think that this program has been successful correct yeah. and and the the fact that one you reached out and two you want to make sure that you are doing it the right way right like i mean it, yes you reached out and you're like okay you have conversations all right we're going to do our own thing no like yeah. we want you to be part of the design process we want you to you know to tell us what you guys think so that way we can create a logo that is um, that honors your 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 hispanic heritage sure so as pat larson says in his minor league baseball hat history series Let's get to the hats. I always love in his videos when he says, let's get to the hats. Let's get to the hats. That's my favorite part. There there are, you know, probably 90 some of these logos that exist for, for teams. I think that you and I agree on the, the sort of parallel, and I said this to Ryan, the sort of parallel to a minor league baseball team being named for its parent club, the parallel in the COPA program is if it's just a direct translation of Correct. their own team name. So we're I understand that you in in selecting the ones that that you like, you have discounted any that take that path. Correct. If if you translated your name into uh in Spanish, I automatically discounted you because in my listen, the logos are great. A lot of, I own some of those. Yeah. Uh but I look at it as being 
I and I, I hate to say this, but like very lazy about it. Sure. Right. You didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so yes, I automatically discounted the names that were automatically uh, a, a direct translation. Yeah. So I didn't go with those at all. Okay. So all right. Well, let's get to the hats. What are what are some of your favorite uh, Copa brands here? All right. So I'll start with uh, one of the first ones that I liked a lot um, is the Cervezas de Durham. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A beer right? can, a crumpled beer can. A crumpled beer can. Um, the colors are amazing. Mm -hmm. the, the name is awesome, right? Who doesn't like beer? You know, Truly. so Truly. automatically I liked it. That was one of my favorite ones. Okay. Um, so. Cervezas. And again, I'm giving you a list. I give you ten that I liked a lot. Um, yeah. but they're no in no order whatsoever. Like you, of course, you know, I, I don't have a favorite favorite one. Right. Right. We don't do hyperbole. We just do. We just do. You know, we're not ranking anything here. We're just picking yeah. out the ones that we like. Okay. Uh, that's a different episode. Um, <laughs> okay. The next one is the Cookies of Lehigh Valley. Okay. Automatically, you knew that I was going to say that, uh, you know, the coquille is some, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an animal that is very important to the Puerto Rican culture. Yeah. I have a tattoo on my arm. So we, you know, the coquille is very important to us. Okay. It's one of two coquille logos. Oh, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting no, ahead of myself. But that, that was an honorable mention. Okay. Um, it, it, from the Florida fire frogs. Um, yeah. I didn't mention it one because, um, the Firefox one in Spanish, two, they're no longer around, but they yeah. named this of the Coquis. Uh, they were around. I sadly, I did not get a dad hat by then. So I was unable to get one of those, which is such a great logo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's an honorable mention just because, again, it goes back to my heritage and I, I, I couldn't say no to that yeah. one. That came up when I was speaking with Ryan as well that, that, that Coqui is important to the Puerto Rican culture. <laughs> Why is it important to the Puerto Rican culture? Pretty much is everywhere. Let's one that there was like, you know, you hear it at night, right? Guys, as uh -huh, soon as uh -huh, uh -huh. that that night hit, you hear that sound. And it's like that one sound that as a kid you 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 hear and it, it just puts you to sleep. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh Native American use it a lot in their in, in their culture as well. So like the tattoo that I have is an actual native symbol hmm. of the the coqui itself. So Okay. Very important. I think I gotta get that hat. I think I might have to get a coqui hat from the the Iron Pigs. Yeah, absolutely. I got a couple of them actually. <laughs> uh, I don't have the dad head though. I do have the snapback one, but um, okay. I, I went to go get the the dad head, but it was sold out. So I'm waiting for them to get some more so okay. I can get it. So all right, uh, definitely that one. Okay, number three okay. for me, Alces the Main. Oh, I yeah. th I'm less familiar with this one. So that is from from obviously Maine. Look at it. Oh, like the moose antlers. The moose, and look if you look at the moose. Right there. Yeah. What does that look like? Is it a baseball glove? They look like baseball gloves. Yeah. 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 If my yeah, voice so... just got real loud on the podcast, it's because I was leaning way in to see this. <laughs> no, right? We're both <laughs> leaning on it. Uh, but yeah, that one is one of my favorites. The colors yeah. are amazing. Uh, the design on the moose itself, like it has little uh, patterns to it. Yeah. So they did a really good job with this one. So that's, you know, that's okay. Another. Say that word again for me. Alces. A-L-C-E-S. Okay. Right. Okay. And the logo is meant to look like the, the Alces is written and it looks like a, a, yeah. a an antler written. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. That, that's you know, that a good one doesn't one. get a lot of uh, attention out there in the world. No, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's very, you know, to their area, which. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 hit the Hispanic culture, but they also hit their territory, which is pretty cool. Right. 
So yeah, I, I like that one a lot. It, it is. It doesn't get the respect that it should, but yeah, you know, yeah. that's good. And beautiful colors hat. The hat is oh, great. The, 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 the light the blue, blue and the blue, pink brim. The yeah, pink. Really right. Good. Exactly. Okay. All right. Number four, the, and we talked about this, you and me off air, but the Wepas, the Worcester. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Right. The Wepas, right. Again, they went something different. When you say yeah. us Hispanic, you know, when you say hi or something like that, it's like wepa, yeah. right? Yeah. So you say it like that, like you know, with 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 um umph on it. It's so, an exclamation. And it, exactly. So you that one, it's it, it, it. As soon as I saw the name wepa, yeah. right? You, uh, when sometimes when they you know when they when they mention the name and then they don't release the logo, you're like, yeah. oh man, you're like, what's this go. gonna be? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's right. Like fireworks. Yeah, yeah, right. Fireworks, good. explosion, and it was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It was well done. Red, white, and blue. Um, teams need to get away from red, white, and blue. But for this one, it worked. So it was nice. And what a great combination of accents when you can say, Huepas de Wusta. Exactly. You like that. That's pretty good. Huepas <laughs> de Wusta. Uh, the next one that I'm going to go over, number five, is Los Perros Calientes de Akron. Okay? <laughs> the Akron Hot Dogs. Yep, the Akron hot dogs. Uh, so I went back with this one. It's it's a funny one because literally Perros Calientes is hot dog, right? And then it's like a hot dog, literally on fire, yeah. running. Yeah, and it's and it's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I mean, who doesn't like hot dogs? I love hot dogs. Mm -hmm. So that I love that one. Um, that one was great. Okay, couldn't say no to to Akron. No, no, no. Of course, your hometown, kind of, your hour kind away of, right. from your, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly, exactly. So I love that one. Uh, number six, okay. Gallos de del Marva. Oh, this is the big rooster. Yeah, the colorful rooster. Okay. So yeah. uh, for people that don't know, my Chinese zodiac is the rooster. Oh, um, I'm learning gallos, a lot about you tonight. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> gallos also is an important animal as well in Puerto Rico. They used to do a lot of. Uh, um, what they call cockfighting uh, in Puerto Rico. But mm -hmm. the rooster is like, you know, very colorful, very loud. Yeah. Also describes me. Um, <laughs> so, so Ed, Ed the Gallos. Yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> there's that one. One that I really recently started liking a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and this one uh, hits the um, a different uh, Hispanic culture. Guerreros de Fayetteville from the Fayetteville okay. Woodpeckers. Okay. Guerreros is Guerreros. Uh, like a warrior, like a soldier. Warriors, warrior. Exactly. Okay. All right. Right. So Fayetteville, known for like you know Air Force being there, you know mm -hmm. armed forces mm -hmm. and all that. So they translated that warrior into Spanish, and they have a beautiful logo, baby okay. blue with some yellow on it and red. Okay. It is. It is. It is beautiful. So another definitely... one that doesn't get a ton of attention. Oh, uh, exactly. Yeah, a lot. Of, it doesn't get a lot. Some of them are getting. You know, we should eventually go into the ones that are getting attention for the sure, sure, sure. for the wrong yeah. reasons. But <laughs> you know that one. Uh, another one, Erie, the piñatas, the Erie, the piñatas. That's a that's a really fun one, right? You know, Erie Sea Wolves, right? You know, you sure. have a bull in this one, right? So yeah. they're not using. That's why I picked this one because they picked the piñatas and everything. Right. Um, and then you talked about this. I, I think it was in one of your podcasts. Yeah. Uh, about the owner and everything. You know. Mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. You know. So one of my favorites. Very yeah. colorful. Very. It, it pops and it's beautiful. Greg yeah. Coleman was saying he he was joking on that episode of uh, Baseball by Design when we were talking about the Sea Wolves. We were talking about the the piñatas uh, Copa brand, and he was saying nobody else in the Eastern League 
has picked up on the fact that like a pinata is something that you essentially beat with a baseball bat. So uh, and he's <laughs> right. like, nobody, nobody has talked about the fact that we're getting beaten with baseball bats. I mean, how could you not pick up on that? <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, yeah. So that one's one of my favorites. Lakewood's the uh, from Lakewood Medusas. So good, so good. This is absolutely one of my favorites here. Absolutely, right? right? Yeah. They used the purple, the hot yeah. pink on it, right? I mean, that one pops so the purple, good. The pink and the white, and with the octopus logo, the angry yeah. octopus. Yeah, it's a great one. But man, that's one of my favorites. Uh, it is yeah. a beautiful logo, and I love it. I got to get that. I, I just finally got to bite the bullet and actually buy that hat. You right? should like, definitely do it why as your friend. As your friend, I tell you, got to do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then number 10 for me okay. is- uh, Are we already to 10? I, I feel like we just started here. I know. I can keep going. Trust me. I got <laughs> I got a couple more that you know I had to fight. But the Tumba Vacas mm. of Wichita. Yep. Right, yep. it plays on the name, right? Yeah. You know the wind surge, but it plays mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. But it has the upside down, you know, uh, yep. cow cow tipping, right? Right. So it was it it was hilarious. I I was dying when I saw the logo, yeah. right? To actually have a yeah. hat with a you know upside down cow on it, right? It's, couldn't <laughs> I couldn't say no, so I bought it right away. Uh, that's that is very funny. We talked a lot about you know your list of 10 here a lot of them are sort of like whimsical right like a lot of them are sort of like fun you know very minor league baseball-y many of these are more serious approaches to to branding you know sort of and are you know making sure that they are respectful of the cultures that they're representing Uh, you know you you picked some funny ones and i think that that's great because it shows you can still be lighthearted about this and it's it's you know not should be lighthearted about it it's minor league baseball it's minor league baseball this is um, not the major league baseball. This is not the NFL. This is not the NBA. This is right. minor league baseball for a reason. And definitely, you know, you should play on that. Yeah. When you look at these logos all together, you know, when you see them listed together, the colors are just so striking, right? So many bright Absolutely. colors. And and I just feel like, man, just in general, I think teams could sort of take a cue from this that the the really colorful logos are, you know, are, are so striking and just, uh, and just really pop. And it's like, one of the things that I do, like on National Hat Day, when I'm looking for for hats to buy, you know, I, I often will sort of succumb and I'll buy like, you know, another like navy blue hat with a logo mm-hmm. on it that I like. But if I see a hat that is a different color than the one that I just always buy, I'm like, I'm more likely to buy it, right? Like just, you know, the the lime greens and the, the sort of light blues and pinks, the, uh, you know, I was yeah. just saying. I would love a yellow Salt Lake Bees hat. I'd love to have a yellow Salt Lake Bees hat. And Absolutely. it doesn't exist, right? Like it doesn't exist. So not at all. The COPA program has really given us, a, you know, just from a purely, you know, leave out the the conversation about the cultures that are being represented and the fan bases that they're trying to bring in. But the just in in general, more colorful hats to get, more colorful logos to to buy and experience out there as a fan. And, you know, if if nothing else. You know, you know, if you don't care about any of the other things that are involved in this program and the other stuff in this program is very important and it's been very successful, but just from a purely like aesthetic logo fan standpoint, the logos are awesome. They're so much fun and it's so exciting to like, yeah. you know, to see these alternate brands. And so I would say that the COPA program is far and away the most successful coordinated alternate brand 100% in the minors. Absolutely. So. 100%. And 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 it is because of 
one, I think the success of different um, logos, right? Like you just, you know, for the for the majority of the people that the teams that decided to go away from their name and do something different, yeah. very successful, right? They're doing different colors, different logos, different names. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that has led to people like you and me who are fans of logos and uh, fans of the merchandise to say, I like it. I want to get your merchandise. I yeah. have done that. I have a lot of the merchandise from a lot of these teams because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ed, this has been fun. I'm going to have you back on in a short while. We're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic logo. Oh, so excited. That's coming soon, coming up in March here. But in the in the meantime, you and I, we have our weekly show that we do with Anna Di Tommaso, our live show uh, that you can see through the Curved Brim Media Twitter feed and on YouTube. Everyone can obviously and should be subscribed to your podcast, The Dad Hat Chronicles, your Twitter yes. handle, The Dad Hat 216. Bingo. And we're not changing that now that you're in a new area code. We're still leaving nope, the. Uh, we're the sticking Cleveland. with the 216. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna hold uh, strong to the 216. I mean, I am in the 919 area code now, but okay, uh, okay. 216 is where is that? And then what about uh I know that you're ramping up your Instagram page as well. What's uh what's same your Twitter handle? Same handle. That's brand synergy right there. Yep. Hey, got to make it easy for everybody to find me. Good job by you. I have done a terrible job at that. All of my <laughs> all of my social media platforms are called different things. So, uh it's a miracle that anyone can find me. But uh <laughs> Yeah. Thank you my friend for coming on. As and, always. Uh we'll see you out there in the, the minor league social media sphere. All right. Hey, support the minor leagues. It's time once again for America's favorite podcast segment after anything to do with Smartless and maybe Conan O'Brien. This is America's favorite podcast segment right now. It's Studio Simon Stumpers. Dan Simon, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing great, especially with that type of hyperbole to start my my day. So thank you for that. I don't know. You want to call it hyperbole? I think it's just uh, God's honest truth right here. So we are this episode. We're talking about the Copa de la Diversión program. I understand you have a trivia question, a, a stumper, as you will, uh, regarding the Copa de la Diversión. Okay, uh, of course, all of the Copa identities bear Spanish words as their names, um, and so this question deals with what would have been a Spanish name for a team years before uh, the Copa de la Diversión program was even a glint in its creator's eye, the creator being Kurt Hunzecker, who is at the time, who at the time is working for minor league baseball, is now uh, working for major league baseball for the minor league baseball operations department. So um, he is the father of Copa de la Diversión. So with that in mind, Back in 2007, what Spanish word was the Visalia Oaks going to use for their new team name, one for which they even had a logo develop before ultimately deciding to change their name to the Rawhide? So was that name A, Banditos, B, Naranjas, or C, Vacas? Now, before you answer that question, um, if I remember correctly, you you speak Spanish at least fairly well. Is that is that the case? I I understand Spanish okay. I majored in French in college, which is very useful living in Fort Collins, Colorado. 
but I do know I do know what those words mean that you just threw out there. Obviously, banditos is bandits, uh, naranjas is oranges, and uh, vacas is cows. So you always repeat them. You always repeat them to give me a minute to to think about it here. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna I I'm gonna be... let you do that. Well, you just repeated them. I repeated so them. Now okay. Three... I'm, now I'm now... just stalling for time. I'll repeat them. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh no! Now we owe Phil Jackson a lot of money. Okay. Um, a banditos. B, naranjas, and C, vacas. All right. And so I'm sorry va- for my pronunciation. I, too, took French in high school, so my Spanish is not that great. I have spent this entire episode apologizing for my pronunciation, so don't, don't please don't apologize. Okay, so I'm going to try to suss this out. I like naranjas. Naranjas, I think, I hope I'm saying that correctly, is my favorite. For oranges, because there's there's surely in in the Vasalia area, it's known for its agriculture, so I could see the oranges being an option. Vacas, cows, they you know they ended up going with rawhide, which obviously relates to the notion of cows in a way. Banditos, I don't know. Banditos isn't just ringing true with me. I could my my maybe my spidey sense is off there, because they ended up going with rawhide, and vacas means cows. As much as I like Naranjas, I'm going to go with Vacas. Once again, your deductive reasoning um, has landed you in pay dirt. So you are correct. Um, And that name certainly makes sense, given that Tulare County, where Visalia is located, is the largest dairy production region in the nation. And um, as was explained to me at the time, I'm the one who, who did the, the aforementioned logo that was developed for this name, um, the as the front office people explained to me, there were more cows than people in Tulare County. Um, the other names do make sense. As as you you didn't mention Banditos, but I'll give you a little history on that. Okay. Um, uh, but first, with regard to Naranjas oranges, behind dairy, naval oranges are the county's second leading agricultural product. Um, So that would have made perfect sense for them. But also with regard to banditos, back in the Wild West days, some of the early citizens of Visalia were, how should we say, um, an unsavory lot Mm. um, who were known to prey on the travelers along the Butterfield Overland stage route that ran through the town. So banditos would have been equally appropriate as far as a name goes for that team. But of course, none of those were chosen. Um, But I will say that another Studio Simon identity um, did become the first Spanish name for a baseball team before the COPA program was developed. And that, of course, was the um, featured identity and episode fill in the blank um, of the... (laughs) Baseball by Design podcast, the Daytona Tortugas. This is where I thought you were going. And then I was just like, nah, that's too easy. It's too easy, Dan. There's no way he's going with Tortugas. But obviously a classic brand. And yeah, the first the first of the Spanish language brands out there. Or I don't know if it was the first, but. Well, first of the Spanish name brands for an American sports team in baseball, that, okay. that of which I am aware. However, uh, back in the late 60s in the American 
Basketball Association, the ABA, there was a team, I believe it was one of the founding members of the American Basketball Association, the Anaheim Amigos. So huh. that was a professional team that existed decades before the uh, Daytona Tortugas. And also, this is a very little known thing about a very well-known team. The Oakland Raiders, who are now the who then became the Los Angeles Raiders, then moved back to Oakland, became the Oakland Raiders, and of course are now the Las Vegas Raiders. For their first season, now this also goes back to the late 60s, they were the Oakland Seniors. Huh. See, this is this is what I get for throwing a, a throwing something out there like the Tortugas were the first. And, you know, little I, I should have known that the, the keeper of Studio Simon Stumpers would have all of that trivia right there in your head. This is why this is America's third favorite podcast segment. And I certainly appreciate you being here. Dan, we'll talk to you next time. Looking forward to it. See ya.